Insights on Responsible Business is a podcast about organizations building trust, security, and resilience to thrive in a new era of uncertainty and stakeholder capitalism. Our host is Sir Rob Wainwright, formerly Executive Director of Europol, Senior Partner of Deloitte with a career-long experience of navigating complex risk and security issues. He talks with business leaders and experts about their challenges and experiences in becoming more responsible businesses towards an outcome that is better for all stakeholders, better for the long-term shareholder value, and better for society as a whole. Our guest today is Els de Groot. Els joined Rabobank one and a half years ago as Chief Risk Officer and member of the Managing Board. As CRO, ALS takes responsibility for risk management, legal, and compliance worldwide for Rabobank Group. And as member of the managing board, she helps to steer Rabobank's direction. She's worked as chief financial officer of Schiphol Group, the owner and operator of Amsterdam Airport Schiphol, and has many years of working experience within ABN AMRO. Rabobank has massive presence in Europe and the world, and in that respect, its aim is to build a better bank for society. Els and Rob explore with us today what role does Rabobank want to play in enhancing trust. Over to you. Great. Thank you, Rodney. Welcome back, listeners, and a very warm welcome to you, Els. Thanks for joining us in our virtual podcast room today. Well, Let's start with COVID, like so many conversations these days, I guess, and the extraordinary impact, of course, that's had on the world this year, including on the economy with so many job losses, many other effects. Um, I guess another global crisis that puts a spotlight on the critical role that banks can play, not just in our economy, but of course, in society at large. I was taken by a quote from your CEO, Viva Dreyer. I think he said something like, whereas last time in the 2008 financial crisis, the banks might have been seen to be responsible for causing that crisis. But this time, in response to COVID, he said that banks could be part of the solution. So what did he mean by this, Els? And and tell me a little bit about the ways that Rabobank has been helping its customers through this difficult period. Yeah, thank you, uh, Rob. I think it means exactly what we said, actually. Um... Let's be part of the solution. And it's different than 10 years ago. And this also is a crisis with a very different cause. Um, And I think that really allows us to play a different role. And we should play that role. We should fulfill that role. And just to give you maybe an example how we do that in today's crisis and how we try to do that, because it is challenging. I must also admit that. For example, is by standing by our customers at this stage. Um, It really, uh, you know, this crisis has a devastating effect on many of our customers, not all, fortunately, but on many of them. So I think, you know, I've seen worldwide, globally, but also in the Netherlands, very, uh, uh, very quick responses from governments, but also from banks to defer payments, to have moratoria, to have payment holidays also for people with a mortgage, for example. So I think that's that's a very important 
first reaction from the financial sector. Apart, of course, from, you know, keeping the payment systems open and keeping all the critical infrastructure, of course, available during this crisis. Yes, I think, you know, the theme of this podcast, as you know, Els, is, is responsible business. It's about operating in a way that makes a real contribution to society. As you say, keeping the payments processes going during this very difficult period. I mean, have, have there been sort of specific innovations or products that you've been providing to your your customers over the last four, four or five months? Um, actually, Rob, there's one maybe I would like to mention here. Uh, Rabobank has been working uh, on a solution which is called SurePay. And that's it, it's fairly simple, actually, but it didn't exist for a long time. It's checking whether the name and the account number make a good fit. And we're already used to it in Dutch market. It was introduced a couple of years ago. And you cannot imagine that we lived without it for so many years. Uh, Rabobank uh, has been working with one of the UK banks also to install this service uh, within their payment system. And one of the nice things we heard from this UK bank was that uh, part of the uh, UK government measures, uh, the income support scheme, uh, it gave payments to self-employed people. And actually more than 1.6 million payments were checked by the SurePay uh, check so to see whether indeed the name and the account number make the fit and whether this emergency support from the UK government would really end up with the right people. So I think, you know, this is, it, it's a fairly simple innovation, but it's a critical one uh, in this period. Well, I've certainly been seeing in, in a lot of the conversations I've been having around the, the banking sector, for example, how during the COVID crisis, a lot of fraudsters and criminals have tried to exploit that, of course, for example, by um, faking these, these pay- or intercepting these payment schemes. So, so it might be a very simple thing, but it might, it's obviously a very effective way to, to keep, uh, keep liquidity flowing, I suppose. I mean, in terms of, you know, the levels of, of cash in people's pockets and so on, I mean, at the same time, I suppose the crisis itself has created a lot of financial pressure on banks. So you've got your own levels of liquidity, I suppose, and your own financial position to protect as well. Is there somehow a conflict of interest here about doing the right thing that might not always be the most profitable thing to do for the bank? How do, how do you see that, that, that dilemma uh, for a bank like Rabobank? Yeah, I'm not sure whether we should call it a dilemma or simple please something we need to manage as well. If we're talking about trust, um, you know, banking is all about trust. and A banking relationship is about trust. But part of that same trust, I think, is also that, you know, all of us also expect our bank to be healthy and financially solid. So for me, it goes a big bit hand in hand, I would say. Um, And that, yeah, indeed, that implies sometimes difficult decisions, whether or not you can support all of your clients at the same time. And for many, many years, that that's that could be a bit of a uh, of a dilemma. But I think it's, you know, it's it's such a clear requirement that banks themselves need to stay very healthy. And I think, you know, the good thing is what we learned, I think, from the last 10 years also helped by uh, the regulation, to add in honesty. Um, is that the banks are much better capitalized this time. And hopefully that will give, you know, the, the space to really um, 
take the decisions with a clear eye on a more sustainable future as well. Uh, it's a good point. Um, you know, f- the legacy of what, you know, the financial crisis over a decade ago and, you know, the reforms in the banking sector since, as you say, if I put the banking sector on, on a firmer, more, more secure footing and allows you therefore to, to grow this, this, this agenda around trust is interesting. You mentioned that word because it's a dominant theme. I hear more and more across, across different, different industries. Um, I just went into in terms of promoting trust. You mentioned sure pay. Are there other areas where technology and innovation is really helping you now to to drive a better, more trustful response um, in in the banking sector? Well, many actually, um, and also maybe a very important one to mention also in the context of you know the banks being the gatekeeper to uh, uh, to the financial uh, system. Uh, I think in in uh, in all our activities in transaction monitoring uh, and know your clients, technology and innovations and what comes with it really plays a very very important role. And that is, I must say, you know, you know, I've been out of banking for ten years. That's a huge shift, actually, and I think it's a real good shift. Well, you mentioned the role of technology in this case, you know, to prevent fraud, perhaps. Um, you know, the other sector, of course, in terms of major risks related to crime, I guess, criminal activity for banks is in this space of financial crime and this huge agenda around anti-money laundering. And I've seen how technology has been helping to boost those efforts as well. What's your experience of that in the Netherlands? Actually, I think we're making some very big steps there. Maybe you recall the announcement last year made by two Dutch ministers, um, Grapperhaus and Hoekstra. And they announced together with the financial sector and a couple of other uh, uh, public institutions uh, a partnership and a close cooperation to start sharing data and to work together to see different patterns. And I think the, you know, the fact, the sheer fact of sharing data and then using all the technology and all the knowledge we have and bringing that together. That's really an, a major step in preventing uh, money laundering and financing terrorism. I think those are, um, you know, also when I look at the rest of the world, I think uh, in the Netherlands we take a major step in this uh, respect. And we're all still surprised because we, we ran in the last 12 months some small uh, some small projects. We did some sector assessments jointly with other banks just by sharing data. And I think we were all taken by surprise how many insights that can give if you put all your knowledge together and combine this collective insight. Yeah, that's a great point, Els. And, and in my experience I mean, from a days at Europol, for example, where we brought so many data points together um, across a huge law enforcement environment in Europe. Yes, exactly right. It gives you these much greater insights around these more complex problems. And I think on financial crime, that's exactly what we what we need. I've seen around the world a lot of attempts now to try and improve, improve our response. This initiative in the Netherlands, I've, I've got a lot of support for it. I think it's a great initiative. And you're right, it's now one of the better best ones that we see in the world. I mean, we're coming from a low base, though, aren't we? Because... You know, a lot of banks have been in a lot of trouble um, with compliance failures, I guess, including, as we know, in the Netherlands recently. Um, 
How does that shape the thinking, you know, the threat of a large fine and the reputational damage that it brings? How does that shape the thinking for you as a CRO or for a bank like Rabobank? How much of a priority in the end does this, does this mean to you? Well, the, the highest priority, I would say, but, you know, I would like to approach it not so much from the negative side, you know, what is the downside, but more from the intrinsic drive. Because I think if you would only consider this from a negative perspective, then it's very hard to motivate, you know, the thousands of analysts and, and technicians we have working on this subject. So for me, it's of critical importance that this is an intrinsic drive, that we want to fulfill the role as a gatekeeper and work towards more integrity in the financial system. Um, and, and that gives a lot of energy, actually. That attracts young people, and that's what we also need, fresh blood, fresh insights, maybe also from other sectors that will help to tackle this issue. I'm very much convinced of that. But we need to take it from that, you know, not only the, the downside, but our true intrinsic value to resolve this issue and to tackle, what is it, 15 or 20 billion criminal money in our system. Yeah, what I'm hearing from you, and I have to say it's very positive, as someone from who used to be in law enforcement, is is a more positive determination maybe to get to the root of, of a very, very complex problem. Um, and you also talk about, you know, you gave the early example about combating fraud as well. And you mentioned trust. So it seems, you know, a more positive outlook here. You are, you know, a very senior member of, of a very important bank in Europe with, you know, with those positive views. Is it different? Do you think do you feel that, that the sort of intrinsic value attached to trust, the idea of being a more responsible bank, is that different from 10 years ago? You've just come back into the sector after a 10-year gap, as you say. Do you see a difference? Do you feel a difference? Yes, I, I definitely uh, do. Uh, of course, I also switch banks. So, you know, I cannot fully compare, but I... You know, I already said what you can clearly see is a much better capitalized system. Um, another element which really is a big change from 10 years ago, I think, is our efforts and our drive in, uh, in customer care, in putting the client first. I think that, you know, really... In 10 years, what I can see compared to 10 years ago is from much of a theoretical exercise to, to a living animal, which really uh, uh, drives our agenda. And I think for, for all of the banks I see around us. Um, and I think banks are much more aware and bankers are much more aware uh, of their role in society. I think maybe that's... I mean, that's a change though. It's a change though, else, isn't it? Because banks... Bankers have this traditional image, maybe it's no longer fair, but, but, you know, being in the business really just to make a lot of profit. And, but you're saying that's, that traditional image doesn't really hold anymore. There, there's a different, I suppose it's about a culture really that's operating in the banking sector now. Yeah, I think it's a culture. I think maybe it's also leadership. Huh? We've seen many new leaders coming into, into the sector. And as I said before, in all fairness, also uh, the regulators have played a stimulating role in that, and that has been a good step as well. And you've got the you know you've got the experience of working in the, in other sectors. 
you know, you had, you were, I think this chief financial officer of Schiphol Airport. Um, so you, how do, do you see this, this idea of, of promoting trust of, of being, uh, more attuned to customer care interest. Do you see that resonating throughout different sectors and in industry? Uh, have you, did you, did you notice it also in your former position? Yeah, I did. And actually, you know, when I came back to, uh, to banking uh, a year and a half ago, I often got a sort of question also, you know, if you compare an airport, if you compare aviation with the financial sector, you know, what difference are there? It's maybe much more interesting to look at, you know, what's, um, what does it have in common? And, and those are heavily regulated sectors. Aviation is as well as maybe the most regulated sector in the world. And safety and security is, is extremely important. And what I, you know, what I was taught at Schiphol Airport, at least, is that through safety and security, you can only ensure that and guarantee that to the extent you can guarantee, but you can only ensure that by having it in the DNA. If you have it in the DNA of all of your people who are in, in the aviation sector, you know, whether it's a pilot in, in, uh, in an aircraft or whether it's people on the ground or uh, in, in its air traffic control tower, um, it's really in the DNA of that sector. And I think that's also where, you know, hopefully the financial sector will uh, will further grow into because I think that is the the heart of trust for me at the end of the day. It's a big word, eh? so I'm also a bit uh, cautious to use the word. It's a big word to live up to. It is a big word, and 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 I'm interested also. You're not just the chief risk officer of Rubber Bank. You're part of the the leadership team. How? How do you see your own personal responsibility um, around that trust agenda? Um, what does it mean for you personally, else? Yeah, well, actually, it means a lot. And also, when I considered going back to banking uh, a year and a half ago, um, you know, if it doesn't mean a lot and you're not willing to take this challenge to live up to that big word, then I don't think I should have, uh, <laughs> I should have joined another bank. I think it's critical for our sector. And also, you know, in today's world with data, I mean, trust has also many new aspects. It's not only client care, but it's also data privacy. There, there are many elements of it. I think that's a, a, it's a great way to sum up your position. And indeed, this podcast, Els, thank you for for being uh, our guest at this time. And this is a very interesting time of the way in which COVID is, is impacting on, on uh, impacting the banking sector and, and, and indeed the economy at large. So what we've talked about is the reputation of the banking sector, which I guess took a serious hit in the wake of the financial crisis a decade ago. And to a certain extent, been struggling to recover ever since a process not helped by several instances of large fines handed to the sector for anti-money laundering compliance failures, something we also mentioned today. But signs have emerged in recent years, however, of the sector moving more decisively to a business agenda focusing on promoting trust within its community and with the customers it serves. The response of some banks to the COVID crisis shows that they understand more these days the critical responsibility they carry in the economy to help governments and the public at times when they most need it. As El said, a better bank for a better society. Well, it has a nice ring to it, even if the journeys end 
for many is not yet reached. And so it's trust, that big word that we talked about today, and it's that critical commodity that binds successful relationship building and partnership in all walks of life has become the preeminent virtue that banks are now turning to. And it's at the heart of what it means to be a responsible business and just perhaps becoming a driving commercial imperative in our economy and for the financial sector at large. Thanks for listening to another episode of Insights on Responsible Business. Hope you enjoyed it and that you'll tune in to our next episode. Review us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app, or whatever popular podcast app you're using and find out more on Deloitte.nl. We'll see you in our next episode.